0: It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart. Todd Marquart, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question, veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid, 210-308-8867, or ask a question online at marquartlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt.
1: And welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, sponsored by Marcourt Law Firm. I'm Christiana Viegas, co-host and event planner for Marcourt Law Firm. Now, how has Marcourt Law Firm started?
2: Like Christiana said, I'm Todd Marquardt, attorney licensed to practice law in Texas and New Mexico. I earned my Juris Doctor degree from St. Mary's University School of Law here in San Antonio in 2006. I even worked at the St. Mary's Center for Legal Justice as a student attorney in the law clinic for a year. I helped a solo estate planning attorney build his practice after that. I was the receptionist, the legal assistant, the paralegal, and the associate attorney all at the same time. Before we separated nearly three years later, the firm had six attorneys. I started Marquardt Law Firm in 2009. This year, we celebrate Marquardt Law Firm's 10th anniversary.
1: Well, that's a happy anniversary that we're going to be having. So, what is the mission that we have here for Talk Law Radio?
2: The mission of Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to us talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but does not want us to attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of the general information contained in this episode. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. I always like to start with a prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us our sins, our mistakes, or doing the wrong thing, failing to do your will. Please help Christiana and I give good information to the listeners about the law. Help us to use the gifts and talents that you've provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: So then, what is today's episode going to be about, Todd?
2: We're going to be talking about why do we need a will? What happens if you die without an estate plan? What is the minimum standard of care? And how do we determine what the recommended estate plan is for you? So first, I'm going to go ahead and say that everyone over the age of 18 should have a will so that your wishes and legacy are legally enforceable, so that your affairs are in order, and to make administration of your estate easier and less expensive for your beneficiaries. The proper definition of estate planning is I want to control my property while I am alive. Take care of me and my loved ones if I become disabled, and give what I have to whom I want, the way I want, when I want. Furthermore, if I can, I want to save every tax dollar, professional fee, and court costs legally possible. In your will, you'll want to name an executor to wrap up your affairs. The executor should be someone you trust, someone who's trustworthy, someone who will act in the best interest of the beneficiaries. It's the executor's job to collect income and benefits for the deceased person to marshal the assets of the estate. That's a legal word that just means to collect the assets and to make an inventory of the assets. It's the executor's job to pay bills and expenses and decide which bills are not going to be enforceable. And then after... All of that is wrapped up basically to distribute whatever's left to the beneficiaries. Now that's a a general explanation of what an executor does, but there are a lot more specific things that you should look into. You'd want to look at the tax consequences, for example, with a qualified tax professional. Then the executor is going to distribute assets to the beneficiaries. The beneficiaries are going to be your loved ones. In the state of Texas, you get to decide who is going to receive your things after you pass away. If you don't name beneficiaries, the state of Texas decides who gets your stuff. That's what the law calls intestacy. Not only do you get to decide who gets your assets, you also get to decide what you want for them to receive. For example, a dollar amount of money, a percentage of value of your estate, or specific things like family heirlooms. After a short commercial, we'll explain why we need a will by describing what happens if you don't have one. So what happens if you die without an estate plan? Well, like I said before, that's called intestacy. What happens in intestacy when you die without an estate plan? Well, there's chaos, there's additional expense, and there's delay. Chaos happens when your wishes and legacy goals are unknown or disregarded. If you write something down or you tell somebody what you want, but it's not a legal will, then it's not going to be legally enforceable. That causes chaos. How do you get the authority so that you can stop bad tenants from destroying the rental property? That's some chaos that happens in an in estate when there's no will. It takes longer for the executor to be appointed. How do you get access to assets to pay bills so that utility services are not disconnected? That's chaos that can happen if you don't have a will. There's also additional expenses. Basically, an intestate probate is a lawsuit for the benefit of creditors and laughing heirs. What's a laughing heir, you ask? Well, it's somebody that's related to you that's going to benefit from your estate, but didn't really know you that well. You may not have even known them. The reason they're called laughing heirs is because they're not sad, necessarily, that you passed away because they didn't know you. In fact, they might be quite glad because they're going to receive some assets. There's additional expenses because you have to ask the court for permission to pay bills. You have to file legal pleadings asking that permission, and you're going to have your attorney on retainer during this process. You have to ask the court for permission to sell assets like real estate. It's a very cumbersome process. The reason... That the court requires such a cumbersome process is to make sure that the beneficiaries are going to receive fair market value. You also have to ask for permission to distribute gifts to heirs. The reason being, the court has to make sure that the creditors have been paid before the heirs receive their inheritance. Oh, yeah and there's also a court appointed attorney to represent unknown heirs because you and your family and even your neighbors might know that exactly who's related and who's not the court appointed attorney called an attorney ad litem has to double check our work and so they'll interview the neighbors they'll interview people who worked with the deceased person they'll interview family members to make sure that you're not leaving somebody out. Maybe the black sheep from California. You have to make sure that all the heirs are accounted for. Not having a will also causes delay. You have to wait for this uh, attorney ad litem to be appointed. You have to wait for this attorney ad litem to investigate unknown heirs. And we don't know what that attorney's timetable is we don't know if he or she is busy with other cases we have to wait for the court hearing which means we have to wait for the attorney ad litem and your probate attorney the executor's attorney and the judge and the court all to be available at the same time you can imagine how difficult it might be to manage all of those calendar times then there's delay when you have to wait for the judge to review your request to pay bills, to sell assets, to distribute gifts to the heirs. So we, we want to avoid all of that chaos. Also, the process of naming the administrator causes delay, expense, and chaos. Because first you have to decide... Who is going to apply to be the executor? Because no one's named in the will, everybody in the family might have an opportunity to ask the court to be appointed. This is another opportunity for conflict to arise. Then, once somebody chooses to file the application for probate, they have to apply and qualify for a bond. It's not like one of those bonds that you have to file in order to get out of jail. It's more like a construction bond. It's like an insurance company that insures the assets of the estate just in case the administrator uh, makes a mistake, loses assets, or runs off to Tahiti with the assets. So those are some of the problems that can happen if you die without a will.
3: What would happen if some violent encounter took you away from your loved ones? Who will protect your loved ones from probate? Protect yourself and what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense. RSVP today for our Defensive Measures for Self-Safety and Asset Protection Seminar with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense at 5 p.m. on February 19th, Total Wine and More off Loop 410 by North Star Mall. Seats are limited. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278.
0: If you are a veteran over 65 concerned about qualifying for veterans' benefits, do not apply until you learn about new regulations passed in 2018. Markwort Law Firm and Brookdale Nacogdoches is hosting a free aid and attendance seminar on February 27th, 9 a.m. at Jim's Restaurant at 7000 North Loop 1604 West in San Antonio. Find out how veterans and their living spouses can qualify for VA benefits to help afford living in a care facility. Register now by calling 210-530-4278. MarkWirtLawFirm.com.
1: And welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Still here with our host, Todd. If you have any questions about what you should do to avoid not having a will, call our office and leave a voicemail at 210 530 4278. Leave us your name and number, and we'll get right back to you on Monday. So, Todd, what else should be done to prepare for your will?
2: Before I get into that, Christiana, I'd like to tell a joke. Is that okay? Of course. Okay, so picture a client of ours uh, named Morris, um, fictional guy. If this uh, represents somebody you know, it's totally unintended. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Morris wrote out his will, and so picture his family sitting around the big conference table with the lawyer who's reading the will. You've probably seen this type of scenario on TV where the lawyer tells everybody what the gifts are that they're going to get. And so the lawyer's saying that Morris wrote in his will, to my spouse, who spent a lifetime creating a loving home, I give half of our homestead and our checking and savings accounts. To my daughter, who got straight A's in school and who graduated with her master's degree, I leave my beachfront condo. And to my son, who spent many weekends and seasons with me hunting everything from white tail to wild hogs, I give my ranch. To my church, who saved my soul, I give $100,000. To the Red Cross, who saved our town when the tornadoes came, I give $50,000. To my sister, who was always there for me, I give $10,000. And to my brother, who always said that health was so much more important than wealth, I give my exercise bike and my treadmill. (laughs) Okay, but seriously, what is the minimum standard of care that any attorney should provide if they're going to do estate planning for you. Well, it's at least a will, a durable power of attorney, a medical power of attorney, HIPAA authorization, and directive to physicians. We talked about a will a little bit before. I'll just recap. Your last will and testament names your executor and instructs him or her to wrap up your affairs, pay your bills, and distribute your remaining assets and property to your beneficiaries. The will describes who you nominate to be executor. You have an opportunity to decide whether you want to require your executor to post bond or whether you want the court to excuse the bond. Your will is a legally enforceable way for you to dictate how your assets will be distributed, to who, in what dollar amounts or percentages of your estate, and in what way. For example, many of our clients choose for the executor to set up a trust if a beneficiary is under age 18, 21, or age 25. I like age 25. Do you know why? Why? Because that's when the auto insurance companies give you a discount. (laughs) They did studies that show that the human brain isn't fully developed until age 25. And so they figure that you're going to be a better driver at age 25 than at age 24.
1: That would explain so much about my friends.
2: (laughs) Next you're going to want to have a durable power of attorney. The durable power of attorney is where you name someone you trust to make legal and financial decisions in case you're incapacitated or disabled. So this is if you're in an accident, but you survive. Your survival leads you to be disabled. Then you would need someone to make financial and legal decisions For that time that you're disabled, they would need to collect your money and pay your bills. So who would you trust to be your agent under a durable power of attorney if you were unable to make your own legal decisions? The durable power of attorney allows you to name someone you trust to make financial and legal decisions for you in case you are incapacitated or disabled. Plan A is for you to make your own financial and legal decisions, like you always have. This is Plan B, just in case you're in an accident or you have a heart attack or stroke, and when you're unable to wake up or pay your bills or even understand what you're signing.
1: So one of your plan A's that you should make is to contact an attorney and see what you need to do and how soon you can make a scheduled meeting to plan out your will. If you decide to contact Mark Hort Law Firm, our number is 210-530-4278. Just leave us your name and phone number and someone will get back to you on Monday and get you scheduled right away.
2: Thank you for reminding them of that, Christiana. Next is the medical power of attorney. It's like a durable power of attorney. This is what physicians and healthcare institutions recognize. Physicians don't want to get involved in your finances, and financial institutions don't want to get involved in your medical affairs. So they have separate legal documents. This is where you name someone you trust to make medical and health care decisions. It could be the same person as you named under durable power of attorney, but it might not be. We all have different gifts and talents, and the person who has the gift of stewardship, of managing financial assets and managing bills and income and expenses, Might not have the gift of communicating with physicians, asking about complicated medical terminology, or even being at the hospital for a long period of time. The agent you name under Medical Power of Attorney makes life and death decisions. This is very important. You can choose the person who's going to choose your doctor, your hospital, and possibly your course of treatment. They might decide between surgery, medication, or other treatments like radiation or chemotherapy. I recommend you name someone who lives close to you who will go to the hospital or doctor's office if there's a medical emergency, someone who's confident to ask doctors and nurses questions about the risks and benefits somebody who will advocate for you. Now, we all know that physicians are some of the most highly trained professionals in America today. They go to school for the longest period of time, and they go through lots of training after they finish school. The problem I've seen in my experience is that physicians and nurses are so busy at the hospital and in the emergency room it's helpful to have somebody there just to ask questions. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Just to know exactly what's happening. The next thing I recommend is for everyone to do a HIPAA authorization. HIPAA is, actually stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. It's what makes your health information so private. It's like a permission slip where you give your physician and your health care workers permission to talk about your health to somebody else, like your loved ones. With whom should physicians and healthcare institutions have permission to discuss your protected health information? So medical professionals are scared to death of being sued. Or penalized for violating this federal law. That's why they're going to be asking for this document if you want to know how your loved one is doing. Now, if you go into the hospital and you're awake and it's a routine procedure, they'll ask you to sign something, giving them permission to talk to your loved ones. If you're awake, you can always give your own consent you can always tell them who you want or don't want to receive information. You do these things in advance because we don't know when the accident's going to occur. Nobody plans on a calendar when tragedy is going to be convenient. If you have these documents in place, then there's not going to be any question about whether someone has permission to talk to your loved ones. Number five is the Directive to Physicians. This is for people who have a strong preference that if they're in a coma or a vegetative state that they either don't want life support or they do want life support. You don't have to do this one because your medical power of attorney can make this decision for you. If you have a strong preference though, your preference on this form controls. The Directive to Physician allows you to decide in advance whether to withhold or withdraw life support in the event that you're terminally or irreversibly ill or injured. Terminal and irreversible in this circumstance are defined. This is where doctors and lawyers have agreed on what these words mean. This is important because... You can decide whether to make your wishes happen as a matter of these definitions being satisfied, or whether you want your medical power of attorney to have discretion on when to pull the plug. Life support includes ventilators, respirators, dialysis, feeding tubes, and IV fluids. Terminal in this circumstance usually means more than terminal, because Even somebody with terminal cancer, if they're awake, they can still go to the grocery store. Usually in this circumstance, it's because they're terminally ill and they're in a coma or a vegetative state. This document is only effective if you're in a coma or a vegetative state. And the doctor says you'll never wake up, never get any better.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. My name is Christiana Viegas, and I'm here with Todd today talking about wills and how to prepare your plans for when you least expect the most tragic days that can hit you.
2: Well, the most important thing, Christiana, is to do this in advance before tragedy occurs. So do it before you die.
1: Well that is one way to say it and you can do it before you die by dialing two one zero five three zero four two seven eight. Leave us your name and number and we can get back to you as soon as possible on Monday or even visit our website, Marcourtlaw Firm dot com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A R D for David and T like Tango lawfirm.com visit our website and type into the chat box and we will get back to you on monday
2: many people ask if they want something better than the minimum standard of care how are we going to determine what the recommended estate plan will be i'll start with a story about a financial advisor who after i had an initial consultation with the client, and after I had already started preparing legal documents, met with uh, the client again, and this financial advisor told his clients that they were stupid for naming certain charities as beneficiaries. Now, he's entitled to his opinion. Everybody has one, and they all stink. But I believe that you are in control of your money, the assets that you worked hard to acquire. You can do what you want with them upon your passing. In order to find out what's important to somebody about their estate plan, I ask a lot of questions. Not because I'm nosy or insensitive, but because those questions lead to solutions that someone may not think were even available. I start with asking our clients about themselves. Why are we meeting today? Tell me about the problems that you're worried about. Tell us about the concerns that you have with your family, with your estate, and what you want to really achieve. What are the specific issues about each problem you are most worried and most concerned about? And what are the ramifications that you can imagine to be the worst-case scenarios of the undesirable results of inaction as to each worry or concern? Once I know what our clients are worried about, I can go to work at Designing Solutions. Some important family questions that we ask in order to discover what the best plan would be, are you or your spouse receiving Social Security, disability, or other government benefits? Estate planning for people receiving government benefits is different from those who are not receiving government benefits. Question two, Are you or your spouse making payments pursuant to a divorce or property settlement order? The divorce decree might state what your obligations are to pay, continue to pay, even after you're deceased. Child support might be an additional concern there. If you're married, have you and your spouse signed a pre or post marriage contract, most often called a prenuptial agreement. Post nuptial agreements are also possible. Many times, those types of agreements will affect estate planning. Number three, have you or your spouse been widowed? And if so, what does the will or trust or estate plan say of the deceased spouse? Has a federal estate tax return or state death tax return been filed? Next question, have you or your spouse completed a will, trust, or estate plan in the past? We want to start with what you already have and then edit from there. Do you support any charitable organizations now that you wish to make provisions for at the time of your death? Are there any charitable organizations you wish to make provisions for at the time of your death, even though you're not making any charitable donations now? If you're married, have you lived in any of the following states? Arizona, California... Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, or Wisconsin. Those are the community property states. Have you lived in any of the states besides those? Those are the common law property states. We have to evaluate whether the plan that you want is going to be different because you've moved from a common-law property state to a community property state? Do any of your children have special educational, medical, or physical needs? Are they disabled in any way because of intellectual disabilities or mental health disabilities or because of uh, physical injuries? Do you provide primary or other major financial support to adult children or others? You may want to continue that support if you're disabled or incapacitated, or you may want to cut off support. Is there anyone important to your estate plan who is not a U.S. citizen? Citizenship can affect how your estate plan operates. Christiana, why don't you tell our listeners how they can contact us if they have any questions about these things?
1: Well, you can have all of your questions left at our law firm's website, com. That is M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D for David and T like tango, lawfirm.com you can also leave us a detailed voicemail with your name and phone number and we'll get back to you on monday once you dial 210-530-4278 remember to call us
2: okay thank you the next set of issues that we address are tax problems In order to know whether you're going to have a tax problem, we have to ask you about your assets. We have to know what the values are in your bank accounts, what the value of your real estate is, the value of your life insurance is, because it's going to be important to the IRS someday. And we need to know before they do. Having this information will help make sure that your estate plan is accurate. If you try to do planning without this information, then you're taking a risk, a risk that's not necessary. So just be open and upfront. Attorneys keep client information confidential for this very reason, because we talk about sensitive information. I even had one client who was so uncomfortable he said it was like him being naked he was that uncomfortable goodness so i reassured him that we absolutely needed the information for his own good and we were able to help him some of the taxes you might be worried about would be the federal estate tax state inheritance tax capital gains tax income tax With uh, federal estate taxes, uh, another thing that we need to know is not only what your assets are, but are you going to expect an inheritance from any other source? I've seen people inherit from parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings. So just think about what would happen if your loved ones passed away, would you expect them to leave anything to you? Because a large inheritance is going to increase your net worth and possibly cause you to face federal estate tax. Connected to federal estate tax would be the federal generation skipping transfer tax. If your children have significant assets, And if you decide to name grandchildren or great-grandchildren as beneficiaries, you might have to worry about the generation skipping transfer tax. In order to know what your potential federal estate tax or federal generation skipping transfer tax liability is, we also need to know whether you've filed any federal gift tax returns. Everyone knows about federal gift taxes because it's in the news all the time, and many times you can find information about it on the Internet. This year, the annual exclusion amount is $15,000. If you've made gifts over that amount, you might be obligated to file a 709 gift tax return. We need copies of that to establish your federal estate tax liability. Other taxes that you might be worried about after death would be capital gains taxes. Have any of your assets appreciated in value since you acquired them? You also might worry about capital gains taxes if you become disabled or incapacitated. If you have to liquidate those assets in order to pay for your health care or long-term care what are the income taxes going to be christiana one more time why don't you tell our audience
1: well if you missed out on our segment you can always call us at 210-530-4278 to let us hear about your concerns for gifts taxes wills all these questions remember to call us
3: What would happen if some violent encounter took you away from your loved ones? Who will protect your loved ones from probate? Protect yourself and what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense. RSVP today for our Defensive Measures for Self-Safety and Asset Protection Seminar with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense at 5 p.m. on February 19th, Total Wine and More off Loop 410 by North Star Mall. Seats are limited. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278.
0: If you are a veteran over 65 concerned about qualifying for veterans' benefits, do not apply until you learn about new regulations passed in 2018. Markwort Law Firm and Brookdale Nacogdoches is hosting a free aid and attendance seminar on February 27th, 9 a.m. at Jim's Restaurant at 7000 North Loop 1604 West in San Antonio. Find out how veterans and their living spouses can qualify for VA benefits to help afford living in a care facility. Register now by calling 210-530-4278. MarkWirtLawFirm.com.
1: And welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. We're still here with your host, Todd Marcourt, and my name is Christiana Villegas. If you've been trying to get a hold of us, you can always leave us a voicemail at our office when you dial 210-530-4278. Eight. Remember to call us and leave a voicemail with your name and number, and we'll get right back to you on Monday. So, Todd, more about Wills.
2: Yes, uh, we were just discussing if you want more than just the minimum standard of care, how do we determine what the recommended standard of care would be? Here are some other issues that we look at when we're trying to determine what the best plan for someone is. If they desire to get their affairs in order and create a comprehensive plan to manage affairs in case of death or disability. Some people ask me for only a simple plan. And so this is a difference of an opinion whether somebody wants things to be easy for them now while they're still alive just making a simple plan that's simple for them to get into place, or whether they want to make things easy for their loved ones after they're gone. To do that, you really need a comprehensive plan today to manage your affairs in case of death or disability. Some people worry about providing for and protecting a spouse. Others worry more about providing for and protecting their children. Still others, their grandchildren. Some people, believe it or not, want to disinherit a family member. Oh, no. That's
1: a bit extreme.
2: It happens. Because in Texas, you can leave what you have to whoever you want. doesn't have to be a family member. You can even leave things to charities. We've discussed that before. Sometimes that's real important to somebody. They want that to be part of their legacy. They might have a family business. How is that family business going to be transferred to somebody else? And do you want it to... Go to all of your children or just one child, or do you want it to go to somebody else, or do you want the business to be sold? Also, we, we talked about estate taxes. Some people worry about probate. Now, probate's that lawsuit you file again to reduce the likelihood of going through probate. We can help. Avoiding probate will also help reduce administration costs at the time of your death. Instead of appearing before a judge in a courtroom downtown where there's no parking, you can do administration of your loved one's estate in the privacy of your attorney's office. Some people worry about reducing administration costs and avoiding costs for guardianship. Guardianship is what happens if you don't have a power of attorney, if you're disabled or incapacitated and nobody has written authority to take care of you. We want to avoid that as well. And there are some simple ways to try and avoid guardianship, and there are some more comprehensive ways to be sure of avoiding guardianship. Some people, maybe because of disinheritance or maybe because of family conflict or estrangement of family members, they worry about avoiding will contests and disputes upon death. We can help with that. A lot of people talk to me about protecting assets from lawsuits or creditors. They may not have any creditors today. You could be paying all your bills and find yourself in a position where you have creditors. What's the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States? Medical bills. And again, I'll reiterate that we don't plan on a calendar when tragedy is going to be convenient. And if tragedy occurs, you better believe that medical bills will be there with tragedy. Some people worry about preserving the privacy of affairs in case of disability or at time of death from business competitors, predators, dishonest persons, and curiosity seekers. Filing the will in probate is public, and all of these people are allowed to look at the probate files. You may want to plan for a child who has disabilities or special needs. You might want to protect your children's inheritance from the possibility of failed marriages. What's the rate of divorce in the United States? Well, it's easy to say about half. And would it bother you if you passed away, left all of your assets to your daughter, and... Tragedy strikes her later and she leaves everything to your son-in-law, her then-husband. What if he finds a replacement spouse, leaves everything to her and a new set of kids that you didn't even know? You might want to protect your own children in the event that your own spouse gets remarried. If you're the first spouse to pass away... What are the chances that your spouse might get remarried, find a replacement spouse, and then leave assets to that person? What are the chances of a happily married man getting remarried within three years of losing his wife? 90%! What are the chances that a happily married woman would get remarried Within three years of losing her husband, 10%. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, if a man was happily married, wouldn't he want to stay happily married?
2: Yeah, he probably wants somebody to take care of him.
1: And we all know that as women, we just can't wait until the day that we stop feeling responsible for someone (laughs) else.
2: Christiana, will you let our listeners know how to contact us?
1: Well, one way to feel even more responsible about your concerns and planning ahead is to contact our law firm by dialing 210-530-4278. If you've been trying to reach us, then you can always leave us a voicemail at our office, and we'll do everything we can once you leave us your name and phone number or and we'll call you back on Monday. Even if you can't leave us a voicemail, visit our website, markcourtlawfirm.com That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D for David and T like tango, lawfirm.com. Share with us your concerns, and we'll reach out to you back on Monday.
2: Thank you. Okay, next I want to talk about How do we determine what the best way for you to leave assets to your beneficiaries? A lot of our clients fall into one of two groups when they're leaving assets to their children. Do you want to leave everything equally or do you want to leave everything fairly? Now, a lot of people think that equal is fair. But think about this. When you were raising the kids, and they all had different things they were interested in, different needs, having different illnesses or different injuries at different times, maybe different problems in school, did you always spend money equally? If one child had a broken arm and you had to pay medical bills for that child, did you go to the bank and pull out money in the same amount for the other children's and do something for them? Well, some people did. And so that's why we ask, do you want it to be equal or do you want it to be fair? And fair is whatever you say it is. The next set of questions that we ask are related to long-term care planning. Now, long-term care planning usually includes catastrophic care that requires you to be not only hospitalized, but maybe in assisted living, memory care, or nursing home care. Well, this type of care is super expensive, and so additional concerns are expressed when They want to be able to pay for this care and also leave an inheritance to their loved ones. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned would you be about accessing and paying for care for yourself? How concerned would you be about running out of money if you become ill and require significant care? How concerned would you be about having no control over who provides care for you if you need it? Would you be concerned about choosing the type of care that you want and where you want to receive it? Would you want to leave an inheritance to your loved ones only to have it taken by a creditor? No way. Do you have concerns about your children misusing the property or money that you've left them. My dad always told me, more money makes you more of what you already are. So if you have more money, you'll spend more in that area. If you're a charitable person, you'll give more. If you're an alcoholic, you'll drink more. Would you be concerned about making sure that your wishes about care and finances are carried out? Would you be concerned about taking advantage of tax breaks where possible, keeping the home and the family, reducing the risk of conflict among family members, or treating each child and loved one equally? So I hope you've enjoyed our Estate Planning 101 seminar today. I'll ask Christiana to give a, a few closing remarks.
1: Well, we want to thank you very much for listening. And now that you know that you need a last will or a living trust, setting up your estate plan, and now that you know that Marquardt Law Firm can be the right law firm for you, please call us at 210-530-4278.